there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Questions. I'm excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast. We certainly hope and pray that it would be edifying for you and it would glorify Christ. Please tell others about us and how you found us. Our audience continues to grow each and every week, and we consider that a blessing from the Lord. I also encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word, and there you can find out more information about us. We have a statement of faith there, uh, different ways you can listen to the podcast, a way of contacting us and asking your Bible questions. Also, there, you can contact us there if you have a prayer request. We, we have a handful there, and I would encourage you, if you're a prayer warrior, uh, to go there and check that out. I realize that that doesn't change dramatically from week to week, uh, but those people, uh, some of those folks are living in a, in a place where they had to go a long ways to get to an internet cafe and ask for that prayer. So please do pray for those people. I want to go ahead today. We're going to continue part six of seven of our series of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. There is no S on the end. I hear that a lot, but there's only one revelation from Jesus. And today the message is going to be called A Door of Opportunity. A door of opportunity. And I'm going to read here from Isaiah 45, the first three verses. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to follow along in it. Uh, if you don't have one and have ability to go to the internet, if you go to our webpage on the home page, click on the daily Bible verse, that will take you to where you can have a free Bible uh, where you can read it off the internet. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 3. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and to loose the lions of kings, to open doors before him so that the gate will not be shut. I will go before you and make rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of the bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places, so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. There's a, a story about a guy who uh, happened to be visiting a friend, and, and they went to church together one Sunday morning, and his friend, he went to one of those old one-room church buildings back in somewhere there in Arkansas, and he didn't realize what kind of a church it was until the minister uh, started pulling out uh, rattlesnakes out of a burlap bag and passing them up the aisle and down the other aisle. And, you know, the man, he, he said he'd never seen anything like this before. And he certainly was not interested in somebody handing him a snake. Frantically, he, he began to, to turn one way and he'd look the other way. He's looking for an exit. But the only exit he could see was up past the preacher where he was passing out the snakes. Now, so turning to his friend next to him, he says, uh, Where's the back door? I got to get out of here. The man answered, Well, we ain't got one. All right, to the visitor said, Where do you want one? I probably would have felt the same way. You know, that man was willing to open up a whole new door that church and really that's what Jesus wants to do for this church that we're going to talk about in today's podcast Jesus wants to open up a whole new door 
you know, we have uh, a lot of uh, congregations, I like that word better than churches, uh, congregations that maybe they do need, even today, a whole new door. Philadelphia is the church we're going to talk about as well in today's message. Uh, this was a city that was located on, on a road that went from Rome to the east, and it was a strong fortress city. It was a city of major influence in the area and was located on the, on the edge of a great volcano plain, which was very fertile, and as a result, uh, grapes were grown there. They were perfect grapes, according to uh, some historians. It was also the center of the worship of the god of wine. Surprise, surprise, right? And it's uh, Philadelphia, however, was more than just a gateway to the east or a fertile uh, valley. It was also an open-door opportunity, spiritually speaking. So, Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, and this is obviously uh, the, telling John the Apostle, write this down, he who is holy, this is Jesus speaking, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those in the synagogue of Satan, who says that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Apparently here in Philadelphia, there was, this was a small bunch of Christians who were very faithful to the task at hand. They were neither large in number, apparently not very powerful or influential, but they were significant to Christ, who takes time uh, to write them this letter. You know, and that kind of goes with today, too. We, I've heard it many times. Well, look at that little dinky church. Well, God can't be doing much there. And that, that's just heartbreaking. It doesn't matter how large that building is or how small that, that gathering might be. If they're meeting in the name of the Lord and they're worshiping in spirit and truth, uh, they're, they're worshiping. And so, in this letter, like those we studied uh, before, Christ, he, he introduces himself in terms that are relevant to uh, his, his audience. Here Christ says three things about himself. One, he says that he is holy, true, and he holds uh, the key which he uses. So in other words, he's saying yeah, he's holy, morally perfect, without a flaw or blemish. Holiness is an important attribute to God. Another thing here is he is true, the, the one behind everything. The one who is holy, trustworthy, and reliable. And then lastly, he, he holds the key of David. Now, this is an interesting description, which, which refers back to Isaiah chapter 22, starting at verse 20 and following, where Isaiah condemns the city of Jerusalem. They had just been delivered from their enemies camped outside their city, 
but they showed no gratitude for their divine rescue. The charge before them is, is that they were self-sufficient, trusting in their weapons, their efforts in, in strengthening the city walls and, and their stores of water. He then turns his attention to an individual, the, the chief steward of Jerusalem. And I'm going to be reading here in just a moment those verses, Isaiah 22 and 20. Uh, he, he is uh, guilty, this, this man is, of seeing himself as a mighty man. And as a result of his unfaithful service, uh, he's replaced by Achilleum. Now, the significance of the image is that the chief steward of the city held that key to the city of David. This was the master key to not only to the city, but to the palace. He was second only to the king, and he controlled who could come in and, and who could go, who had access to the king and who did not. Uh, he was one who opened the doors and, and shut the doors. That was his, that was his functions. So, let's, let's read here um, Isaiah 22, verses 20 through 23. And it says, In that day I will summon my servant, Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, I guess that's how we pronounce it. You know, I, I've, people make fun of that occasionally, but I've heard names in the Old Testament just pronounced so many different ways. But anyway, enough of that. Verse 21, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him in your hand, uh, your authority over him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place, and he will be a seat of honor for his, for his father. That's the uh, NIV version. Again, in Revelation, we, we, we see this image here. As we just read here, again, let's read verse 7 again and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have little power and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. You see here again, here is Jesus himself. He is he's making a very clear claim here that no one else holds the palace key except him. No, there is not an earthly door here through to way to get to heaven's door. Jesus is that door. Again, this is a small church which seemingly has no prestige. It had gotten regularly uh, gotten beaten up by the local Jewish people who had condemned them. That's kind of getting that out of the text here. But it was that because it was weak, they had to rely on God. They knew whose work it was, and, and it didn't try uh, to undo any of the church's uh, Christ's authority. It's a lesson for all of us, really. Uh, especially for those who are fight, uh, 
completely independent people. They they think they can do everything themselves. They they're strong. They have the time. They have the money. Uh, they have the abilities, whatever, and they don't need anybody. But the fact is, we all need Jesus, and we need Him seriously to be able to lead us in our lives and open the doors and shut those doors that we need open and closed. Notice here again in verse 10, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. You see, they, they kept God's word, which meant they knew God's word. And we could likely conclude that they therefore spent time studying God's word. And that's a challenge for all of us. Obviously, you're listening to a podcast, uh, trying to learn more about the Bible, and that's great. That's a good start. But are we all in the word of God? Or are we all in a world focus? What are we focusing on? And, you know, the more I study the Word of God, the more I realize I, I need to study it some more. It's very deep. It's very, I, of course, I find it interesting that we all need to be knowing what exactly what God says. And that's why I encourage you always to open a Bible. There are some promises and blessings here. And it really shouldn't surprise us that, that we're given wonderful opportunities for the service for Christ. There are usually always new opportunities for uh, selfishness, pride, or compromise. You know, the evil one, he, he hates you with a passion. And he's going to try everything he can to undermine any in all spiritual progress. And we need to keep that in mind. You know, Christians really, in America, for the first time that I can ever recall, are being forced to stay home. There's many states that still have not opened up to churches. You know, I think they'll all be opened up after the election, but that's that's going off too far off what I really want to complete with this podcast. But when... People, government leaders, employers, whatever, do whatever they can to keep you and me out of worship, out of the Word, and not talking to one another. See, there's strength in numbers. Even though this is a small church, they still they relied on the one person that could give them all their strength and protect them. And that's what we need to be doing today. We, we would do well to avoid false teachers, uh, denominational teachings that, uh, that are questionable. You know, the basic part of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, that's the good news. That is the, the basis of the entire Bible, really. But that's what the New Testament's really about. That Jesus, the Messiah... He's born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He suffered, he died, he bled, you know, and he was buried, and he walked out of that tomb three days later. That's the gospel. And when we believe that and accept who Christ is, 
and allow him to have complete and utter control, to let him have the keys of our life, our lives will definitely, definitely improve. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because as we study these seven churches, and if you studied Roman history at all, you know that they're persecuted really hard. And many people will lose their lives in this time frame. I recently read an article that there are more Christians today that have been killed in persecution than in the time of Rome. I found that to be an interesting article. And so, you know, sometimes we're, we're simply just surrounded by what appears to be many difficulties. And we may be, in fact, surrounded by many opportunities. Christ recognized often an opportunity and the opposition that go hand in hand. Not only during his ministry, but here at when he talks to this church in Philadelphia. He gives four words of comfort. The first one is he, he promises to, to humble their enemies and open their eyes to the truth in verse 9. The first opponents of the church were hostile Jews. I know that's not perhaps a politically correct statement to make in our world today, but facts are facts. This was, there was this contention and tension between the early church and the Jewish community who believed that they were God's people by birth and had a religious heritage. And they had the right and an obligation to destroy anything that might attack that. The second thing here in verse 10 is, if you notice, uh, they're being promised that he's going to keep them from the hour of trial. I want to ask you today that you're listening whether you've ever had an open door for you, an opportunity open for you. <clears throat> and if you do, are you making the most of every opportunity? Because I admit, I think we all uh, fall short often in opportunities and we let them kind of get by uh, with us. Either we're not really seeing it as an opportunity or just flat not looking. Uh, both could be true. But we really need to be praying for each other. And we need to hold, uh, behold everything that Christ has blessed us with. And we need to take all those opportunities. Opportunities equals people. Perhaps we have friends and co-workers that are really are searching. And maybe uh, an example here. About a year ago, there was a young man who's wearing a shirt, uh, Fight the Good Fight, uh, out of Timothy. And I asked him if he knew Timothy was. He, he said, no, that was a cool shirt. And that was about the end of it. Well, I used that as an opportunity to, to tell him who Timothy was and, and how Timothy was a young man who, who was a preacher. And so there's always those opportunities. We just have to be looking for them. And if you're saying, oh, well, I don't have any opportunities, then, then why not? Are, you know, are we trying? Are we really trying? Or are, are we relying on God and His power? Maybe it's the worldliness that we fight. And we all fight it. Let's be honest. We all fight it. You know, is your life based wholly and solely on the Word of God? Following up the principles out of His Word? Again, that's a challenge. You know, God opens and closes doors. And we are to only teach the Gospel. I believe the Word of God is extremely powerful and it will open any doors 
if a person will unlock it from their side, if they're willing to, to allow that to happen. If God, God will soften that heart, you know, God is the one who opens and closes the heart. Verse 12, He who overcomes, I, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God in my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, listeners, what wonderful promises. Our, our enemies will be humbled. We will be strengthened and made secure and will be given a new name. These are the promises that were available to the church in Philadelphia, which means city of love, it really does, and who is also able and available to us if we take the opportunities that God has set before us. We must keep on listening to God. And how do we do that? By reading the Word of God. Perhaps you feel bad because you really don't feel like you've had the opportunities to tell others about the gospel, and you know you should. If I, you know, I want to encourage you to tell others about the great gift of God has given to you. Perhaps Jesus has an open door for you. Do you have the faith to step through it? You know, it could be talking to your children and your grandchildren about who Jesus really is. It might be just telling the neighbor, hey, uh, would you like to come to church with me? Or you want to get together for a Bible study? The opportunities are there. You just need to pray and ask God to help you and, and encourage you. You know, stop, look, and listen. Hear the Spirit. Think through these letters that we've been studying through here for the last several weeks now. Pay attention to them because they could be spelling out our future destiny. Perhaps we all need to take the time to, to focus deeper on God's Word. Perhaps we all, including myself, need to look for more opportunities to, to tell others who Jesus really is. The more we read and the more we study, the more we pray, the easier it does become. It becomes a lifestyle. And that's what we all need to do. You know, there's this old saying, and I don't know where it really originated from, but if you were put on trial for your Christianity, would there be enough evidence to convict you? We all could be facing strong persecution at some point in our lives. And we need to be able to, to be able to know that we can stand on God's Word. I didn't say it's going to be easy. I didn't say it would be fun or any shape or form. Many people have lost their lives pro proclaiming the gospel message. We have people who listen to the podcast where it's not real popular in their part of the world to be a Christian. And they're taking a chance to download and listen to our podcast. And I want you to know, if that is you, we say special prayers for you that are persecuted every day. We pray for all of our listeners, but we also make a strong point to pray for those who are persecuted. I also want to thank those who, who support this uh, ministry. 
in prayer and in financial ways as well. We, we certainly thank you that we're able to continue to put the podcast out. It continues to grow by God's blessings. What an opportunity that we have had to be able to do this. And we certainly hope and pray that God will continue to allow us to have this opportunity to tell you and others who are seeking out and searching for God, who He is. I'd like to encourage you to find a congregation somewhere in your area that is meeting and telling the complete Word of God, the whole Word of God, from Genesis to the Amen, the last word in the book of Revelation, to your maps, that they don't just harp on one or two of their favorite topics or verses. You know, there's a lot of people here in our area where we're at. They're actually meeting in homes more and more, little small groups trying to discuss. And, and I think that's fine. I think that's good. I think it's a step forward uh, to where they uh, were not doing a year ago, perhaps. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time to listen to us. And next week we will finish up uh, the this series. And we're going to look at a church that made God sick. A church that made God sick. And I believe that will wrap us up. Uh, that will be the seventh and final church in the book of Revelation. Okay, thank you for listening. And may God bless you. And may He have the glory. Thank you.